Welcome to Automation Chat. I'm your host, Teresa Hauk, Executive Editor of the Journal from Rockwell Automation and our Partner Network Magazine. Today I'm excited to chat with Scott Oakley, North American Manager of Motion and Independent Cart Technology at Rockwell Automation. We're going to talk about robotics, when and why to use them, how to implement them, and costs involved. But first, it's time for our family-friendly, silly joke of the day. Now, being an editor, I'm a grammar nerd, I admit it, but I won't torture you with a grammar joke. So here's one for all you math nerds. How do you keep warm in a cold room? You go to the corner because it's always 90 degrees. All right, my stomach hurts from laughing, so that means it's time to talk with Scott. Welcome, Scott, and thanks for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Teresa, for the invite. So am I. Thank you. Now, this is going to be an interesting chat, as you and I know, so let's dive right in. So tell me, let's pretend I'm a user at an industrial plant. What value do robots have for me? Like, what applications are they ideal for, besides the obvious, like, auto manufacturing? And how do robotics help my company innovate and increase profits? Oh, that's a really good question, Teresa. And, and it's, it's it's large and it's complex, I think. Most folks, when they, when they think of robotics, uh, unless you're in that space, they think of the automotive, right? The really large articulated arms doing movement and welding and painting. Um, but, but robotics actually spans a, a large gamut of <laughs> solution solvers, if you will, from small Cartesian axes that just move a few to delta axes, which do a lot of pick and place. You could think of SCARA for product movement, all the way up to, again, those those large articulated arms. And, and overall, what a robot can bring to bear in, in your manufacturing plant for any user, you, it can help you solve dangerous problems, spaces where you don't want maybe human interaction in, a, in, in between pieces of equipment or inside the machine itself. You don't want people's hands or fingers in place. That's a good spot to put a robot. If I'm moving and assembling big parts, you know, that's a great place to put a robot as well. But beyond the human safety aspect of it, which is extremely important, I think we also want to take in, in, into account the great precision that robotics can bring for us. The ability to also alleviate heavily repetitive manufacturing, assembling, pick and place. Uh, robots overall can bring value to a large customer base, um, a large user base, again, from, from really small applications to rather large applications. And, and again, it's scalable. Um, so if we look at what a robot is, like I said, from Cartesian to articulated, it's, it's all over the place. Beyond that, you know, when we have the robot conversation or, or, and talk to users around where they, they see the application, there are really three major tenets that we have that conversation around. Most users want to do a couple things. They want to increase uptime or they want to reduce change over time, for example. And I, I'm old school, so I remember the good old days when a, a machine would transition from one product to another. That might require um, a, lot of, a lot of spinning the wheel, moving things, tweaking things, dialing it in, and just getting the machine just right which also, every time you did that, you needed to run the machine again. You needed to run the line again, which can produce scrap. And then you do it over and over again until you get it just right, and then you hope it runs for the whole, the whole batch of product. Well, incorporating robotics in, a, in addition to a mechatronic strategy around the machine 
can help you really transition that machine quickly. Not only can we increase uptime um, by re reducing those repetitive solutions and making them quicker, but also just reducing the change over time and reducing scrap as well. So you really have to kind of look at it holistically. Two other Scott? tenants. Yeah, go ahead. Scott, for those who yeah. aren't familiar with Mechatronics, explain that for us. Oh, thank you. That, that's, a, that's a good question. So Mechatronics really is the incorporation of controls, electrical design, and mechanical design all in one. It, it, it's really what you do when you, when you assemble a machine. It's, it's not just, you know, the mechanical person putting everything into place. It's not just the person that's wiring it up. And it's not just the person doing the controls and the programming. It's that holistic solution um, that brings everything to bear in a user's machine or a user's plan mm -hmm. to make product. Thank you. That's great. You bet. And to continue, the, the, the last two tenants really are around solving workforce challenges. Again, as I mentioned earlier, the ability to reproduce and recreate the product over and over again, keep, keep hands out of the way. But also, as we create this solution, users can adopt robotics. They can now leverage more of that, that human talent across more machines. Um, really spreading that, that, that workforce out across uh, multiple answers when it comes to either equipment or, or, or end-user machines. And the final conversation we generally have with users or users have with us is around, the, uh, you've probably heard it as the scheme of one, or we've, we've used the term one-button changeover. kind of depends on how you approach it. That's the ability to, to really get just-in-time manufacturing down to the bottle, down to the vial, down to whatever you need to, to produce whether it's, it's just one or whether it's 1,000 or 10,000, the ability, for example, to go to your HMI, select a recipe, everything changes. The whole environment changes. It adapts to what that skew looks like. You can run one. You can run 1,000. You can run 10,000. You go back to the HMI. You change the, the recipe or, or choose a different skew, and the machine dynamically changes again to run that next batch for that lot. So it gives you a tremendous amount of versatility where we didn't have that in the past. And due to its scalability, it can be adopted on many platforms. Mm -hmm. So these, these three tenets you're talking about are basically the three factors companies are looking at when they decide, you know, we might want to use robotics. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, ab absolutely. So reduce change over time, the ability to, to augment and support the workforce as that continues to evolve and, and challenge um, uh, manufacturers. And finally, that skill of one or that one button changeover to give us that dynamic environment to solve problems basically for our customers. Mm -hmm. So when they decide, okay, we're going to use robotics, there's a lot of advantages for us. How do they get started in implementing it? Uh, that's a really good question. So with, working with OEMs, leaderships, engineers, and, and working with users as well, and where do, where do they get started? They've got these great ideas. How do we take them from the, the back of their mind to something that they can articulate, something that they can then deliver? What we generally recommend that we do is we, we need to take a step back and leverage the technology that's now available that we, we didn't have years ago, which is really the ability to emulate, simulate, virtually design the, the layout, the architecture, building that machine in a virtual environment that allows them to, to quickly get creative, the ability to drag and drop a robot on a machine, the ability to set the mach th that robot inside the machine and, and see and visualize it dynamically, the ability to then take that to the next step 
and maybe auto-create the, the, the logic that goes to support that robot integration. And then I think also, you know, everyone wants to get that next step and, and innovate and, and move forward with robotics. Sometimes it's really hard then to get your customer or your end user to adopt this technology. One thing that's, that's really valuable about the ability to emulate and simulate the solution is it allows you to, to create a 3D canvas. It allows you to get creative setting up and building that machine, checking clearances and the layouts and performance, and then sitting down with your, with your end customer, whether it's your, your manager or it's somebody looking to buy your, your next generation machine and, and being creative in that canvas and laying that robot out and what additional value can it bring rather than just, hey, it's a little more cost. You know, when you see that robot moving, the ability to uh, articulate the product quickly quick change over time. You know, one button, one person pressing a button, and then you can see it dynamically change, and now you're creating something new. To incorporate vision into your conversation, all these elements take you from, you know, what's in your mind, and, and then get it to Canvas, and then get it out to the customer, or get in front of the customer, and, and carry forward that conversation. So, uh, use of digital twins, is that useful, whether it's a small pick-and-place system or a major uh, production line? Yeah, that's that's the the next step in the conversation. It's it's taking that that canvas and creating a, a digital twin now of that machine. So it's it's really I, I've laid it out, I've drawn it out. It's all it's all on that three D canvas. Well, well, what's next? There are partners in the ecosystem. You know, Rockwell Automation. We use our our product is Emulate three D. It allows us to to drag and drop the components on the screen. It allows us to emulate and simulate them moving in, in real time. But we also leverage the rest of our ecosystem, the rest of our partners like Ansys and others, to bring in additional elements into that digital twin conversation. You know, when we think of robotics, we think primarily mechatronics. But on your machine, if you've got to deal with fluid dynamics and, and other elements as part of the whole machine, that's where our partners can come together and provide those additional physics into the machine. But having that digital twin in front of you really allows you to, again, be, be creative with your customer. Sit down with them, lay things out a little bit different if, if, if you need to. But then when it's time to engineer it, it takes that, it, it helps reduce that engineering time as well. You really get to the point where you can accelerate the engineering time, which should bring down that ROI, you know, improve your TCO, total cost of ownership, uh, for the solution for your customer. As you now can visualize it, you can simulate it, you can create the logic. And then now you're ready to go once the hardware is assembled, execute on what you design in your digital twin, and then take that to the next step. As, as you run the machine and you run it against your digital twin, see where the differences are. See where the delta, the changes in performance, and then be able to compensate for those over time. And it's amazing if you've ever seen a digital twin created, it's amazing what it shows and how you can see what problems you might have before you even have it so you can fix it. But to actually see it in action before it's real is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing worse than, than putting a, a robot in your system and, and the reach isn't there. You assumed it was. Or just it's, it's just not fast enough, the, the product that you chose. Or on the other side, you're, you're putting a robot in, in your plant and you're doing palletizing or pick in place and nothing's quite right. There's a column in the way you, di you didn't compensate for. So laying this out and running the digital twin 
I like some of the upside. Uh, on the front side, really reduces a lot of that engineering time and cost and can accelerate a project, but it also helps you see some of those blind spots that you may not have been aware of in, in a 2D dimension or as you were brainstorming. So again, it gets everybody also to think on the same page of, of what's a deliverable and what it's going to do in the end and should take away a lot of that stress in the design process. And when you're implementing and uh, you're either eliminating some manual processes or even increasing some safety areas, it's not just, uh, oh, let's just stick in some robotics. It, I mean, there's some engineering involved in planning. Do, do you, does a company need specialized engineers? What's involved in the planning part of that? That's a good question. As far as the planning and the design goes, that's, again, where we leverage the digital twin or the simulation technology to lay that, that out. Most users will have somebody that, that's a CAD person if they're building a machine or, or a user that's doing the layout. Uh, the software is very similar. It's very easy to use. It can very much drag and drop to, to help create that design to get through that, that engineering cycle, make it easier for them to adopt it going forward. So uh, the, the digital tunnels we've talked about is, is tremendously powerful for, for users of all scales. And to complement that, you know, robots are, are really they do have a large scale. If, if, it's a, if it's a small collaborative bot on a table, I've seen those pushed around to complement what a, an operator is doing, again, to that very large articulated arm. Robots have tremendous scale, and with the current technology that's available out there for, for users, it's easier to integrate than ever before. Um, I remember the good old days when it was a, a hardwired cable maybe between the, the controller and the robot and somebody had to be the, the master of the wiring to make sure it all magically worked at the end and, and the stress of troubleshooting that. And nowadays, uh, with scalable controller technology, scalable robot technology, and, and open communications, um, like Ethernet IP, for example, being able to connect a scalable controller to any size robot from a large arsenal of manufacturers allows us to really put together just the right solution for a user in, in the right space. And what about the costs? Are, is implementing robotics in a, in a production line, is that limited to just mid-sized and larger companies? And, and how do company leaders realistically figure out the return on investment? I think it's definitely a broader solution set than it used to be. Um, again, as the technology is scalable, you could go with a very small pick-and-place robot on the floor of a small company to help optimize floor space. It can be a cobot working alongside an operator in a small manufacturing assembly location to a mid-sized company that's buying a whole OEM piece of equipment that needs to just run faster and be more, be more flexible in, in their deliverables all the way up to, you know, the large automotive, as we mentioned earlier. It, it truly is a scalable strategy. And when leadership is looking at robotics to help solve technology solutions, it, it really needs to be looked at holistically. What does a robot bring and what value does it bring to solving your goals? What are your goals and your business outcomes at the company? Not so much can a, can a robot take in place. We know they can, but what, what are you trying to solve? And then from that, working your way backwards into how the robots and that scalable technology can help you solve those problems going forward. Again, is it being, can I make more quicker? 
Can I be very, very flexible in my manufacturing? Can I look at my workforce and through the adoption of robotics and mechatronics, give them the ability to, to cover more ground and, and maybe social distance more than, than we had to in the past? And being able to operate the machine far more efficiently than before. So it's really understanding what that business outcome is for the company and then working our way backwards to help solve it with the right technology. And lastly, of course, our world has changed now and with the advent of this COVID-19 virus. So how do you see the virus affecting the robotics market in manufacturing so far this year or upcoming? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, we, there are a lot of users asking a lot of questions about robotics now. Robotics used to be, was a good way to innovate, but now I think with the requirement of, of social distancing and, and wearing masks and maybe less human contact with the product, we're seeing the opportunity for robotics to really supplement, augment, and support the, the, the human workforce that's out there. Again, from you know being able to make sure that we can keep some good social distancing amongst operators, having one operator run the machine maybe than where we used to have five or ten operators running the machine um, by implementing robotic technology to the ability to re- maybe remove human contact from the product if that's at all possible in a repeatable manner. So we are seeing a lot of good conversation in this space around robotics and the ability to, to support or augment COVID-19 and help solve those problems. Oh, okay. So it's it can be a problem solver rather than you see a problem with the market. Yes, absolutely can. Okay. Well, this has been very beneficial information for anyone interested in robotics. So I appreciate you sharing it with us. And I, I know you have several useful webinars available that I'll put the links in the episode description so our listeners can access them easily. Thank you. Yeah, we've done a series of webinars to support customers as they're looking to get into the robotics strategy. So please feel free to to listen to those. They're they're available on demand for you. Great. I'll put those in the description. And thanks again for joining me on Automation Chat. And it was a real pleasure, Scott. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.